Good morning, everyone. I hate stopping that, right? <laughs> Calm down. Hey, so it is a glorious day, right? Praise God. Can we praise God for today? Woo! Hey, last service we had, what, 15, 16 people get baptized? Man, it was absolutely beautiful. The same amount right now in this service. Today is a beautiful day in which we get to be here while people proclaim their faith in Christ. I love it. It's like our Super Bowl, right? Hey, so my name is Jason. I'm on the pastoral staff here at GBC. And uh, I just kind of want to walk you through baptism today. But I'm going to do that by telling a story. And it's a true story. And at first, you're not going to really get what it has to do with baptism, but I promise you I'll get there, okay? So this story is about two young women named Vibia and Felicitas. They were young women from North Africa, Northern Africa. And Vibia is very, very wealthy. She's from a, a very wealthy, prominent family, uh, and she has a newborn baby, okay? Felicitas is on the opposite end of that spectrum. She is dirt poor. She's, as a matter of fact, she's a slave, and she's eight months pregnant. Okay, so these two women were arrested together because they had professed their faith in Christ. They were arrested together along with a few other people and Vibia's baby, and they were thrown into prison. So think about that. She's in prison with her, in, like, a couple of months old with her infant child, and from prison, Vibia writes a journal. And this is how we get to know this story. So she is writing this journal. Now, uh, these two young women were both offered the opportunity to renounce their faith in Christ and be released, but they refused. And so Vibia's father comes to, fa comes to her in prison, and he tries to convince her to renounce her faith in Christ. Now, this is straight from her journal. So listen to what her father says to her, daughter, he said, have pity on my gray head. Have pity on me, your father, if I deserve to be called your father, if I have favored you above all your brothers, if I have raised you to reach this prime of your life. Do not abandon me to be the reproach of men. Think of your brothers. Think of your mother and your aunt. Think of your child who will not be able to live once you are gone, give up your pride. You will destroy all of us. None of us will ever be able to speak freely again if anything happens to you. you imagine your father saying that to you? She refused to comply, and as the date of their hearing approached, her father tried once more, and this is a, recorded, this is a written recording of their conversation. Father, said I, do you see this vase here, for example, or water pot or whatever? Yes, I do, said he. And I told him, could it be called by any other name than what it is? And he said, no. Well, so too I cannot be called anything other than what I am, a Christian. And at this, my father was so angered by the word Christian that he moved towards me as though he would pluck my eyes out. But he left it at that and departed, vanquished, along with all of his diabolical arguments. Vibia and Felicitas were tried, and they were sentenced to death. 
Felicitas, for her part, remember she's eight months pregnant, she was dismayed at this sentencing. But not because she was going to be killed, she was dismayed because she wasn't going to be killed. See, at this time, it's illegal to execute a pregnant woman. And so she's dismayed at the fact that all of her friends, all of her fellow believers are going to be executed and she's gonna to have to wait and go through that alone. So along with all of her friends, they pray to God for a miracle to happen. And a miracle does happen immediately. She goes into labor and she has her baby. Now, while she's having this baby, she's premature. It's excruciatingly painful in prison. And one of the other prisoners mocks her and he says, you are suffering now and what will you do when you're thrown to the beasts? Felicitas answered, I suffer what I'm suffering now, but then there will be another in me who will suffer for me because I'm about to suffer for him. Felicitas gave birth to a girl and that girl was given to a Christian woman to be raised. And I just gave a little hint as to when this might have taken place. This actually took place in 202 AD, just a few generations after Christ walked the earth. It was a time when Christianity was exploding all over the Roman Empire, so much so that new Christians or Christianity was being perceived as a threat. So if you were already a Christian, you were kind of grandfathered in, but any new converts were subject to death, and that death often came at the hands of a mob. So Vibian Felicitas, along with several other new converts, had been thrown to the wild beasts in a Roman Colosseum. The, Rome, the beasts didn't quite finish them off, so soldiers completed the job. And the soldier who killed Vibia was inexperienced, terrified, and shaking. And when he swung the sword, he missed, cutting into her bone. And she cried out in pain, grabbed the sword, and brought it to her throat so that he wouldn't miss the second time. Now, there's two remarkable things about this story. Number one, this is the earliest known extra-biblical account written by a Christian woman. We don't have anything earlier than this. That's a remarkable thing, okay? But here's the second thing, and this is why it pertains to today. When they were arrested, Vibia and Felicitas and her baby and all of their friends, when they were arrested, they were engaging in a baptism class. How about that? All of the folks who are getting baptized today have gone through a similar class. For the last three weeks, they've been doing that. And I have the privilege of knowing just a few of their stories, right? And each of these folks have unique journeys of faith that have brought them to this particular day. And for each of them, this particular decision to profess their life, their faith in Christ. So I want to take us just a moment for us to recognize the gravity of what they're doing. Now, certainly baptized, bapti being baptized is a cause for celebration, right? It's a time to take pictures. It's a time to cheer. It's a time to go out to lunch afterwards. Absolutely a time to celebrate. But it's also a very weighty thing. Um, it reminds us that we are in the world, not of it. 
So what we're doing today has to do with eternity, right? It has to do with the kingdom of God. So we read in Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 3, or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So the folks getting baptized today have expressed their faith in that truth. They're saying, I have chosen to put my faith in Christ and therefore identify with him with his death for my sins and the visual obedient outworking of that is baptism. By trusting in Jesus' finished work on the cross rather than our, old, our, our own argument, our old self, the one who believes we can be our own God, that old self dies and our new self is born. And that is what is represented in the immersion into the water. Again, chapter or verse 6, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved by sin since a person who has died is freed from sin. And then the coming back up out of the water, verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. So this submergence and reemergence back up out of the water, it's a beautiful and simple picture of the perfect plan of God to be perfectly just by condemning and punishing all sin and at the same time perfectly merciful by taking the condemnation for that sin, your sin and mine, onto himself. Verse 5, for if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Charles Spurgeon, a 19th century theologian, said, we have broken God's law, each one of us, more or less flagrantly. We have all wandered the downward road, though each of us has chosen a different way. Salvation brings to us the blotting out of the transgressions of the past, acquittal from criminality, purging from all guiltiness that we may uh, stand accepted before the great judge. Vibia and Felicitas recognized that truth vividly. Here on earth, according to the world, they were criminals. They stood before earthly judges and they did not receive acquittal or a purging from all guiltiness. But their view had become the kingdom view. They received salvation, were born again, and they now saw through new eyes with a renewed mind. Romans 12, 1 through 2, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. Well, God's will for our lives may not be a Roman Colosseum, wild beasts and a sword, 
but that doesn't mean we should approach his grace with frivolity. Whatever our situation in life, whatever our station, this is where God has put us. And for all of us, in one way or another, we have the choice to embrace the world in its enticing ease or apathy, if you want to call it that, or embrace whatever measure of sacrifice God has called us to. Jesus is calling you. If you don't know him, he's calling you to him. And if you do know him, he's calling you closer. He's our shepherd. He feeds and he protects us. He's been here and he's felt what we feel. I don't know about you, but I felt anguish so bad, I felt like my skin was crawling. He felt anguish so bad in the Garden of Gethsemane that his skin bled. He's been there and felt it. He knows us, he loves us, and he's died for us, and he's asking us to take up whatever difficulty we find in this life that comes from following him, knowing full well that the enticing ease I mentioned just a few minutes ago, as one pastor put it, is nothing more than a satanic lullaby luring us to death. Matthew 16, 24 said, or then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him, take, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In 1 John 2, 15 through 17, do not love this world nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. They are not, these are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anything, anyone who does what pleases, what pleases God will live forever. We who follow Christ are called to a different life. And like Vibia said at the beginning, could we be called by any other name than what we are? We're called to a life that is full of the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control. And with that fruit comes challenge, it comes depth, and comes meaning. So if you don't know him, if you're tired of the lullaby, then may I suggest that today might be the day that you surrender. Come and talk with me or one of the staff or even someone next to you. We would love to talk to you about knowing Jesus. So as we witness folks being baptized today, let's celebrate together that souls have been saved and have submitted their wills to the Father. Folks, these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Amen. Please join me in prayer. Father, it is such an incredible privilege to be able to sit here today uh, amongst each other in fellowship with our brothers and sisters and witness these folks making this decision to publicly proclaim their faith. Father, we are so thankful for your grace and for your mercy to us and through us and in us, Father. We ask that all that we see and hear and talk about today, all of that would glorify and magnify your name. In Jesus' name, amen.